That has been a familiar sound to me here lately. <laughs> oh, it is good to be back with you guys. I miss you when I'm not here. Yes. But I want to tell you, and by the way, to everybody watching on Facebook Live this morning, welcome. Thank you for being a part of our worship service and for what we do here at Mount Zion Baptist Church. But I want to tell you, thank you to Russell. I watched Facebook Live last week. I was in church with you guys. I was connected. I was here. And if you can't be here any week, I want to tell you, log on, watch it, be a part of it. It is your way to stay connected to what's going on on those weeks that it just can't happen because there are all those weeks that do happen. I saw Gordon was logged in and he was on it last week um, and several other people. So it's a wonderful tool. Technology is amazing. And uh, please, please, please take advantage of that opportunity. Avery, may I stand up? Come on, one time. Hey, let me tell y'all, y'all may think y'all are slick, but let me tell you about my friend Avery. I got a call the other day. I said, hey, Pastor, my mama made me call you. <laughs> I just wanted to tell you I got married. So we are very, very excited. And uh, on September the 18th, we're going to have a little welcome, meet your wife party. And um, everybody in the church is invited. Now, I will tell you all this. Avery hates the spotlight. So he'll be upset with me after church. But I am so glad that we got the chance to say, we love you, man. You have loved our children. You have been in our worship ministry. And we thank you for that so very much. David, stand up. So a couple of weeks ago, I'm texting with Lindsay. And Lindsay's going, I don't think this boy's ever going to marry him. Ask me to marry him. On the other end of that text is David texting me pictures from Jared going, I went to Jared. And so one is, one is griping and one is saying I'm working on it. And this weekend you asked Miss Lindsay to be your wife. Awesome. Yeah. And she said yes. Yeah. So a lot of cool things to celebrate here at Mount Zion. You can be seated. Sorry to put you guys on the spot, but I love it. I love it, I love it when we can stand up and recognize what men are doing. When men are leading and men are loving and men are building their homes and their families, I love it. And so thank you guys for doing that and I appreciate it so very much. So 2003, February 2003, the first sermon series I believe that I preached to you guys was called Diagnosing a Healthy Church. And in 2003, I stood in front of a predominantly, if not almost exclusively, with the exception of, Sean, maybe what, five or six, maybe ten people, um, an exclusively all Anglo audience and said, you know what, we've got to do whatever it takes to reach a community. We've got to do whatever it takes. If we're going to stay here, we're going to have to be the people that reach out. We're going to have to be the people that build the bridge. Well, in 2013, we're still asking the same questions, but now we are a very diverse audience saying, what do we have to do to continue to reach the people that God brings into our community? See, the questions haven't changed. A healthy church still looks the same today as it did I say 2003? Excuse me. Let's go back even further than that to 2003. I think I did that this morning, didn't I? 2003, whenever I started preaching. Um, 2003, 
we began to ask those questions. The questions are the same. And a healthy church still looks the same. But it's a continual changing of the dynamics of our community. In 2003, we were largely Anglo-African American. Today, we are not only Anglo-African American community, but you literally can go and find people groups from all over the world. And we as the church have the responsibility to go out and reach them. We as the church have the responsibility. You know, we have to ask a question. How's business? Jesus placed the church in the people business by His command. Therefore, people are our business. And we must always ask the question, how is business? How's business? Are we loving our neighbors? Are we communicating the gospel? Are we sharing our faith? Are we seeing people that we share our faith with and they come into a personal relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ? Are we seeing those people mature? Are we seeing them grow? Are we seeing them become independent followers of Christ where they know how to open their Bible and study it, where they know how to address the temptations and the struggles of their life? How's business? You see, and just as he did in 2003, and he laid out for us the aspects or the facets of the church to help us answer the question, how is business? We must visit again those today because he says in Acts chapter 2 that there are six purposes of the church. Last week, Russell talked to you about discipleship. And he said, discipleship is the process of maturing people to grow in Christ and to grow in their character. It's where we as followers of Christ pour ourselves into them. We pour the word of God into them. We pour our relationships into them. And they begin to say, you know what? This word has the answers. That prayer group has the answers. That life group has the answers. then they become and begin to grow. Well, this week, Russell told us about discipleship. This week, we're going to look at fellowship. In the weeks ahead, we're going to look at evangelism, worship, prayer, and missions. You say, well, Pastor, what is the motivation? Why are you taking us here? What do you need to, what are we trying to understand? Take your Bibles. Turn with me to the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 2, I want to read to you about one of the seven churches. It's not our major text, but it's our setup text, if you will, for this conversation. In Acts chapter 2, I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 2. Remember, I'm still maybe on pain medicine. That's some good pain medicine too, by the way, let me tell you all. You say, hey, I'm fixing to go take this, and in about five minutes... Which is really about five hours later, you said, I took a nap. Um, So, Acts chapter 2. The church at Ephesus. Revelation chapter 2. Church at Ephesus. Woo! It's not a drinking problem, I promise. (laughs) These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. 
I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. Do you hear the, the commendation there? Hey, I see you doing the right thing. I know what you're doing. I know you're trying hard. He said, I see your hard work and your perseverance. In other words, they didn't get tired. They kept on. And I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Man, way to go. Man, we'd want to look at that church and say, you're the people. Yet, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Now, what does that mean? Man, every ministry that's growing, thriving, every ministry that's making a difference for the kingdom is being blessed by the anointing and the favor of God. And when you have that anointing and favor of God on you and on your ministry, it takes what seems like half the effort (laughs) to produce twice the results. But man, you can be working hard in your life. And if you don't have that favor and anointing, it's like being on a treadmill. You're running far, you're running fast, you're just going and you're going and you're going. And ever how many minutes later, you have gone nowhere. And what he's saying to these people is, man, you left your first love. And I'm giving you an opportunity to repent. And if you will repent, he says, I will keep the lampstand. I will keep the light. I will keep the anointing. I will keep the blessing. And I will continue to take who you are and what you do. And I will magnify my name. And I will make your path straight. It's really You see, so that's our motivation. Man, we persevere. We work hard. We don't grow weary. We are continuing, even through bankruptcy. We continued. Even through transition, we continue. Even through other hardships, we have continued. And we are to be commended for that. But at every turn, at every juncture, at every intersection, we need to also say, but are we at our first love? And you say, well, pastor, what are the first things? What were the things they did at first? Matthew 28, I'm sorry, Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven 37 says, And here's the commandments. Love the Lord your God, and the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. In our understanding of life groups, Russell unveiled, I think it was three words, Christ, character, community. And when you begin to talk about Christ, character, and community, really discipleship covers Christ and character. You know Christ. You want to know about Him. You learn about Him through His Word. You learn about Him by associating with other believers. Character, you learn, and this is what the Word says about how you ought to act. But this Word today is about fellowship. This Word today is about community. This word today is about living together side by side, being the people of God. Fellowship is a union of equals sharing similar interest. Doesn't say they're all alike. Doesn't say they all do the same thing, want to get pumped up about the same things. But it says that they're a union of equals sharing a common interest. We have a common interest. That common interest for us is the blood of Jesus Christ. That common interest of us is coming together as men and women from South Atlanta, coming together saying we want to know Christ 
Love the Lord your God. And we want to make Christ known to the people that we come into contact with. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now that's the easy part. Here's the hard part. The hard part is when we have to walk side by side with our differences. The hard part is when we don't know each other. Man, that is the hard work of doing fellowship. Going past my insecurities. Going past my uncertainties. Going past whatever you say and saying I'm going to know you I'm going to get to know you I'm going to figure out a way to hang out with you and when we meet at church it's going to be more than the awkward hey how you doing but it's going to be sharing life it's going to be inviting the community into our church and when the community comes into our church and they don't know what to say and they don't know what to do we're going to walk beside them long enough to show them we love them just where they are And that when Jesus went to that cross, that he went to that cross for them in that spot, in that place, in that moment. And he says, I love you enough to redeem you. See, I believe with all my heart that sometimes people fall into relationships and people fall into life choices. That they think they have gone so far that the love of God cannot reach there. I've been there. I know that feeling. But man, when we invite the community in and we say to them, right here, where you are, I'm going to walk beside you. You're my brother. You're my sister. And I don't know where your choices have taken you and I can't e- may not even understand the pain. But you can know this. Man down. And I'm coming for you. It's taking people inside the church who walk in and you notice them. They begin to just kind of edge towards a group. But then they only get so close because are they really going to accept me? Are they really going to take me in? Are they judging me? Do they know what I thought, what I did? If they really knew me, they might tell me, no, no, thank you. Russell, I think you issued a wonderful challenge this morning in our leadership meeting. Is that soon as church is over, for the first three minutes, rather than running to your friend that you'll talk to ten times before you go to bed tonight, find that person that you don't yet know. And just walk up and say, Hi, I'm Chris. I sure am glad you came to church today. And let them introduce them to you, themselves to you. Let them tell you this is who they are. Find out and say, you know what, I'm in a small group. My life group meets on this day, this time, this place. And I don't know if you've connected to one yet or not, but I sure would love to have you come and be a part of my group. You remember when you were a kid and you would make clubs in school? You know what I'm talking about? That little special group of friends and you'd come up with a name and you'd make rules and you'd pay dues and the treasurer always got the dues and you never got any benefit. I was never smart enough to be the treasurer. But man, inviting them into the club, 
And you say, well, what's the club? The club's not a clique. No, the club is Jesus. A personal relationship with God through His Son Christ who loves us enough right where we are to step into our lives and redeem us from sin. Though your sins be as scarlet, He says, I'll wash you white as snow. It's walking beside people who are struggling in moments of relationship, parenting, finances. And not saying, well, if you'd have done this, or if you'd have done that. But no, right where they are, walking beside them. A union of equals sharing similar interests. What is our similar interest? Man, we want to know God. And we want to help people know God. What's our objective this week? To understand what it means to belong to a spiritual family. To understand that God has each of us here for a reason. Do you ever ask that, God, why do you have me at Mount Zion Baptist Church? God, what is your purpose? What and how can I serve? God, what is the place that I can step into? And help people know you. To encourage other believers to stay the course to stay in the race. It's an amazing thought that God did not just bring me here to occupy space, but God brought me here to connect, to join, to be a part of a place, to be a part of serving Him in a way that facilitates other people coming to know Christ. That's fellowship. Is it risky? Yes. It has risk. Yes, there are moments that you may walk up to a group and and not connect so well. Or there may be a moment that you're trying to communicate and it doesn't connect. But you keep on keeping on. And finding that place. It's understanding that we need each other. This is how we know what love is. 1 John 3.16 Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Can you think of the last time that you laid down your life for a brother or sister in Christ? Can you think about the last time that you knew somebody was having a struggle, and that rather than sitting back and going, boy, their life's a mess, I'm glad I'm not them. To just simply walking over and saying, how can I walk with you? How can I join you on your journey? Did y'all see the race? I think it was the 5,000 meter race in the Olympics. And the young lady fell and she had a knee injury. You know what I'm talking about? And the other young lady, rather than running on past her, stopped, leaned down, helped her up, and they crossed the finish line together. They didn't win a medal, but they won the day, they won the award. Because in that person's greatest moment of need, they didn't go, ah, sucker, I beat you. No. They leaned over and said, let's do it together. That's fellowship. 
That's community. That comes by relationship. One of the most powerful illustrations I ever saw, I was a kid, teenager. And my youth pastor had taken us and we had had a campfire and he built a really nice fire and had let it burn for a long time. And down in the bottom of that fire were some glowing embers. And he brought a pair of tongs. And while he was teaching, he reached over into that fire and he took one of those red hot embers and he took it out and he set it off to the side. And as he began to talk, every once in a while he would make a reference to that ember, which at one time was glowing red hot. And then it got separated. And the longer it was separated from the other embers, the less it began to glow. Till all of a sudden, what was a glowing red hot ember was now just a simply gray, cold, coal. Well, before he wrapped up, he took those tongs. And he took that cold, gray piece of coal, charcoal. He picked it up and he put it back in the fire. And in just a matter of moments, what had been gray and cold was now burning red hot. Because that piece of charcoal had gotten out of fellowship. It lost its fire. But when it got back, it burned again. Can I tell you that everybody in this room is just like that piece of charcoal? Man, when we are in the fire, when we're in the source, when we are connected to the heat, Jesus, His church, we can burn bright. But when we think, you know what, I got this, I don't need it, I'm okay, I'm over here. We lose the fire. Man. We need to stay connected. We need to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. I need you. You need each other. We need to be together, working, walking side by side, having the conversations. You know, the scripture says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We need those moments. We need to sharpen each other. We need to walk together. At Mount Zion Baptist Church, we have, in fact, it's in your worship bulletin. There's three words, welcome, wanted, needed. I thought you did a wonderful job last week, Russell, of communicating. Welcome is we want you in the door. Wanted is we don't only want you in the door, but we we want you to be a part of our group. But see, that needed is the third level. That needed says we don't only welcome you into our group and we want you to be a part of what we do, but we need you to be who you are so that we can become all that God has called us to be. We need your creativity. We need your mind. We need you to sit here and make sure a camera stays focused. We need you back there making sure that a slide gets changed. We need you up here singing. We need you out there going, hi, glad you came today. We need you standing in the room teaching. We need you to pick up the phone and check on, hey, Miss Jan, how are you this week? Ray, we need you to bring a friend to church with you. Yeah. By the way, random statistic. Did you know most people who join a church or come to Christ do so because just simply because a friend said, hey, go to church with me? Tanya, we need you to help us keep up with which national day it is. (laughs) On Facebook. What's the day, by the way? National Bowtie Day. I left mine at home, too. 
Man, we need that stuff because if she doesn't post on Facebook it's National Chocolate or National Hop on One Foot Day, I don't know what to celebrate. She keeps me connected. And true story, I've gotten to where one of the first things I do is go see what national day it is. Because sometimes those national days give away free stuff. National Coffee Day, swing by Dunkin' Donuts, get a free cup. But man, you are welcome. You are wanted. But please hear me, you are needed. You say, well, y'all don't need what I do. Oh, yes, we do, because I'm fixing to prove it to you in Scripture. So take your Bibles. Turn with me. It's going to be on the screen if you prefer following there. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. This is Paul writing to the church at Corinth. And what he's done when he writes to the church at Corinth is he's teaching them some things. And he says, I tell you what, I want to compare the church to a body. So let's begin to read. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts are form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed... The parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them. Do you hear that? God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted to be. So when you came in here today as a part of the body of Christ, as a member of Mount Zion Baptist Church, you are not just a random object in the scheme of God. What you are today is a finely cut piece of puzzle that God is waiting to lay on the table and press into place and you see every time we take one of those finely cut pieces and we lay it on the table and we press it into place we began to see a picture form we began to see the reason that piece was cut we began to see all that it could be we're a puzzle And every one of you are a piece. And have you ever worked really hard on a puzzle and gotten down to maybe the last one or two and realized you had a piece missing? Oh, doesn't that just ruin the picture? All that work and it's not complete? You see, that's the way it is in the church. And so let's just all picture we're on a little coffee table four chairs around and God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit all got a cup of coffee and they're looking over us going, whoa there's Karen oh, wow, there's Emmanuel there's Pat where do they go? 
And they begin to twist and to turn and to put and to place. And then they find that spot and they go, look, do you see the picture? And then they reach and they grab another piece and they put it. And they begin to put it together. And all of a sudden this beautiful mosaic forms. And they step back and they go, that's what I created. I think I want to be a border piece. Because I can always identify where they go. If you got that straight edge, you know, okay, it's going to be in one of these four places. But you're the piece of the puzzle. God, show me where I belong. God, show me my place. I have so lost my place. But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body that I cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. That's an amazing thought to me. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body. That means my little toe is just as important as the nose on my face. I had a friend in high school. His name was Mike Spillman. Mike Spillman was an amazing baseball player. One day Mike was riding on a bulldozer with his dad. They were going to clear some land on their farm. And they hit a stump that they didn't see. And when they hit the stump, the bulldozer jumped. And when the bulldozer jumped, Mike fell off. Well, the track of the bulldozer ran over his big toe. He lost that toe. Missing just that toe cost Mike a baseball scholarship and a chance at professional baseball because he couldn't move and run. And somebody said, just a toe? Yeah, just a toe. So it is in the body of Christ. You think, well, I won't show up today. It doesn't matter if I'm there or not. Oh, it matters. You say, well, I'm just a little pinky toe. This little pinky said, we, we, we all the way home. You better get here. We need you. At church today. With our presentable parts need no special treatment. God has placed them together, giving them greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices. Now you are the body of Christ. Each one of you has a part of it. Isn't that amazing? You are part of the body of Christ. The God who before the foundations of the earth had creation and redemption and eternal life all planned out. He himself who said, I know the plans I have for you. He said, I want you to be a part of my body. You're in the club. And he says, I have uniquely placed you. What are some things we can begin to understand about this unique placement? What it means to belong. The first thing, it means unity. Verse 12, the body is a unit and we're to do everything we can to be united. In fact, God instructs us in Colossians 3, 14 to maintain this unity in the bond of peace. You see, unity is not the absence of conflict. 
Unity is working through each and every moment, each and every intersection and saying, I love you enough to walk beside you through it all. I will love you enough to make it happen. We're going to walk together. Unity is saying we don't all look alike, but as God made us, we're going to be a body. United. For a common goal. To know Christ. And to make Him known. We don't run from difficult topics. But because we love each other, we walk through them side by side. It means unity. You are part of this unit. It's important to God that you be a member of a local church. The New Testament points to membership. It identifies you as a member of the body of Christ. But you see, it's not just unity. It's also entry. Look at verse 13 when it says, For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. We're baptized by one spirit, the Holy Spirit, into one body, the body of Christ. Regardless of who you are, where you come from, what you've done, or what you think people may think about you as a believer, you are a part of the body of Christ. It is one baptism. This baptism is performed by Jesus through His Holy Spirit at the moment that we are born again. Yet the moment of salvation, you absolutely get all of God. We choose to celebrate by water baptism. Water baptism is a symbol. It symbolizes what took place when we came to Christ and we became a follower of His. It symbolizes the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. You know the story that He was crucified on a cross he died he was buried in a tomb and on the third day he rose again victorious over death hell and the grave death grave hell we have life through him that baptism identifies symbolizes that we believe in God the father we believe in God the son It also symbolizes our immersion into the life of Christ. In other words, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The whole things are passed away. Behold, all things have come new. It doesn't matter who you were before Christ. You're a new creature. Old things are passed away. It matters who you are right now. And as a believer in God through His Son, Jesus Christ, 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Through that baptism, I'm identifying that the blood of Jesus is sufficient to cover the sins, past, present, and future. And I identify with Him. And when I sin, I fall before Him and I say, Father, forgive me. But you see, it also symbolizes our inclusion into the body of Christ. When you join Mount Zion Baptist Church as a born-again believer... We say that you must go through believer's baptism. It's identifying that I am not only a person in the room, but I am a follower of Christ. And I go into this water and I come out, blood brothers and sisters, with you. And man, what an amazing privilege. The transformation, God at work in us. I'm going to ask you. Have you followed the Lord in believer's baptism? 
Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you know that you have that moment when you have said that it is Christ and Christ alone that I trust for my salvation? And today, Jesus, I may not understand it all, but today I give my heart to you. I am yours. I follow you. I am immersed into you. I am immersed into your church. I am immersed into this body of Christ. If you've not been baptized, if you've not ever had that moment that you know that you've accepted Christ at the end of this service, we're going to make an appeal to you. We're going to make that appeal for you to come and to say, I want to be a part. And then that's when those other two parts of Christ and character and community come together. Because as our small groups begin to function, man, you come into that. And then they begin to teach you what it means to walk daily with God. But you see, it's not just unity and entry, but it's diversity. It says there's many members, and each one plays an important part, but there's one body. I am so glad that God does not want us to be clones. Aren't you? Man, if I had to act like Gordon every day, I'd be like, what? And I'm sure he would say the same thing. But God didn't ask us to become something else. God just simply asked us to become a surrendered, submitted me to him. And then he will take that and use it and put us into the puzzle for his purpose. Placed just as he wanted. But there's also interdependency. Verse 21. We need each other. The beauty of belonging to a spiritual family is when we're going through it, there's a place to turn. That means I've got a responsibility to be here for you. You've got a responsibility to be here for me. We've got a responsibility to walk together side by side. And needing people and needing the church and needing to belong is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. Do you want to be a red hot ember? Then you've got to stay in the fire. And he teaches us that. But it's also responsibility. Are we willing to sacrifice for each other? Are we willing to do whatever it takes? Are we willing to walk side by side? Are we willing to fight the fight? Are we willing to stop running the race and having our agenda long enough to reach down and pick up the fallen runner beside us and help them cross the finish line? This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. 1 John 3, 16. The new commandment, responsibility. We are to love each other as He loved us. To protect the church, the people in it. We must be willing to give, and there are many who do, but there are a lot that come and say, I'm just here. No, you've got to step in. I'm saying we've got to have discipleship. 
Because if we move forward without knowing Christ, we have been just a clanging symbol. And we've got to have fellowship. There are people around us all in this community that are dying. Literally and emotionally. They're dying. They're looking for a place to belong. They're looking for somebody to love them. They're looking for a place where they can walk in with all their baggage and say, I'm here. And they don't feel judged. I truly do believe. And by the way, let me publicly affirm the name Life Group. I don't think that Life Group changing from Sunday school to Life Group is a magic word at all. I don't. I don't think it's a magic formula. But I do think that it helps us communicate to a community that's unchurched. That Life Groups are where we do life together. I think for people that didn't grow up in church and you use the word school, they're like, I didn't do so well in school. I don't think I want to go back there. But man, when you use the phrase life, group, life together, no matter where you are, let's walk side by side. All of a sudden, that takes on a whole different connotation. So I'll probably call it Sunday school because it's been Sunday school for 52 years. And maybe you grew up with it being Sunday school and it comes out of your mouth or you're more comfortable calling your group a Sunday school class. I don't care. That's not the hill to die on. But embrace the concept. Life together. Life groups, side by side. Walking hand in hand, arm in arm. Helping each other finish the race. Thank you for listening to today's message. To learn more or to contribute through online giving, please visit www.mzbc.org. If you enjoyed this message and would like to hear more, simply click on the Sermons tab or subscribe to the Simple Truth Podcast through iTunes. Thank you for supporting Mount Zion, where you are welcome, wanted, and needed.